My name is Maya, and this week I love the OC because when my daughter tried to kill herself with pills and tequila, I too wore my hottest tracksuit to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Dan, and this week I love the OC because Ryan has finally graduated from a leather choker to leather wristlets. My name is Curbs, and this week I love the OC because apparently Marissa knows how to shoplift cigarettes. And I'm Mark, and this week I like the OC because naked studying, it's a Chino thing. This week's episode was really good. It's so good. I don't know what to tell you. They really came good. they came back from Joe Buck and they were just ready. It was like <sighs> goodbye baseball. Hello, the OC again. Imagine how good it would have been if we had to actually wait seven weeks. God, that'd be crazy. Seven weeks of baseball. Do you do we think we should should we start the episode by asking Curbs who won the, the tournament? We absolutely Yeah. Yeah, I it. need to know about some baseball. I need to know about the baseball now. So the World Series, it was the hundredth anniversary of the World Series in 2003. Um, The first World Series in 1903, the Boston Americans played the Pittsburgh Pirates. So that's a good time. Uh, For the 100th one, the Florida Marlins defeated the New York Yankees in Game 6. No way! I remember that And that that was their second time winning the World Series in their 10-year history. Yeah. The Florida Marlins don't win anything now. I forget that they exist. Not even a little bit. I remember that that postseason. I think I watched that postseason. Yeah, so so put yourself in the mindset. It was a simpler time when the Florida Florida Marlins Marlins won things. Yeah, they won stuff. They beat the Yankees, which is a very fun thing. That sounds like, I bet there was a lot of really good, like, old versus new commentary during that World Series. (laughs) Curbs, do you want to start us off by reading the, uh, the episode description? I would love to. Uh, episode 8, The Rescue. It can't stay in Mexico. Not after heartbroken Marissa took all those pills. And not with Marissa's mom trying to have her institutionalized. Something Ryan, Seth, Summer, and Marissa don't want to happen. Oh, Holy shit! Very good. Holy shit! Who writes these? Josh Josh, Josh writes these himself. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote those before he wrote the episode. Oh! That's, that's better than oh anything my God. I can possibly say on this podcast. Yes. It can't. It can't stay in Mexico. <laughs> Yeah, so like I said, this episode starts with the post-MLB, like, hey, you maybe missed one of these episodes. Let me tell you what happened in all of them. Montage through, like, all of these things. This is the hot new series all your friends are talking about. It's true. That's kind of what it is. It's like, hey, remember your friends were telling you at the beginning of the school year to watch the show, and then you couldn't find it anywhere (laughs) because it was gone immediately? (laughs) The slow music starts. Kirsten gets a point for me right off the bat for having breakfast ready. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Rosa probably did, but she said, so I've got sesame and plain. Um, and it's just ready to deliver breakfast again because that's the Cohen household. Um, so, so they've just, like, not been sleeping. Yeah. They, they, and for who knows how long. Like, is this the next day? Is this two days later? Is, is this it, a whole week is later? It seven weeks after the baseball <laughs> playoffs? Is it seven weeks? They've been waiting for Joe Buck to stop talking, and now that he finally has. I feel like it's, like, 48 hours. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was kind of feeling out. It felt more like two days, because everyone's back from Tijuana, and not only are they back, but, like... It's Monday. Yeah, and things have been happening 
as we will find out later. But right away, they're having breakfast and they're all just sitting in silence. And it is a big day for people, right? It's Sandy's first day, we find out. It's Ryan's opportunity to meet the kind of dean of students or however they put it in their terms. And, and it's a big day for everyone. Uh, but no one is excited. No one is even like nervous about any of that. They're only focused on a call from the hospital. And just as Kirsten is about to like take the advantage, like, let's just go, let's get out of here. A phone call comes from Jimmy Cooper. And I got to say him calling the Coens when she wakes up is like kind of clutch. I actually liked that. I was like, point Jimmy, because he has no friends right now. Like he has no wife. He is nobody. The only people he has are these people, and they're people who cared for her, right, in his mind. And so then we flash to the hospital uh, where they are walking in. Uh, Marissa has kind of gone back into her sleep, as it were. And um, Ryan gets a cred from Jimmy for being the one to put in the call to get her airlifted. Jimmy definitely has respect in that moment for, like, Ryan doing the right thing, because if they hadn't, who knows what would have happened. Then... Like a fucking bull running into a school bus, like in the inside of a school bus, <laughs> Julie Cooper bursts through the door. Oh, it's amazing. She comes in the scene with ferocity, darts shooting out of her eyes, and is just ready. Uh, Curves flying out of her tracks. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty freaking amazing. She Every room she is in in this episode, she dominates, like which is crazy. And so she, you know, gives Ryan a look that says, like, fuck you, kid. And then instructs the, you know, the the Coens to leave. And they do. Except for them. <laughs> On the way out. And Sandy does a good thing. Sandy, like, datifies it. He's like, look, you can't blame her for that part. Because, look, you know, it's every parent's worst nightmare. But uh, just at that moment, Julie, without hesitation, calls him Ryan, calls him over. And has just the Julie Cooperist conversation on the face of the earth. For those of you who like don't believe me yet that she is Cersei, she is Cersei in every sense of the word. Like she is literally staring him in the eyes and is like, "You don't fuck with my family. You don't get near my family. And if you do, I will quote put you back in juvie where you belong." Which is a fucking crazy ass thing to say and super loaded and it's just intense and she clearly blames ryan for everything for no good reason well you're all right you're all correct that she's just like too much but i thought it was interesting like the specific language she used when she was talking about that because it did it did kind of mimic some of the things we've talked about on the show where ryan sort of being a catalyst for marissa's like unraveling and mm-hmm. no one being able to really understand like Marissa being closed off and da 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 and Julie literally says like since you showed up Marissa hasn't been able to show up to her cotillion she's having problems <laughs> with her boyfriend and she's like saying all this stuff where it's like actually kind of true Marissa's the one who's like going through the change and is not communicating it to her and so Julie finds the one thing that's changed right which yeah. is Ryan oh, and a hundred percent it's one of those like hey this little speck is not supposed to be in here I'm going to get the spec out of here. But yeah, so she does the back in juvie where you belong and then fucking roll opening credits. And it's very good. We get off from the credits and we are now at the Harbor School and Seth and Ryan are like kind of like having this conversation where like about what had just transpired basically in the previous scene. Um, and essentially we find out that like, yeah, like Seth acts as the conduit to the audience so many times. And one of the things he says is, why didn't you just tell her it was Luke's fault? And 
That's very, that's a very good point. And it's one of the points I'm sure I was thinking at the time. I was like, just tell her it's Luke's fault. But then Ryan does like the whole, like, like, eh, it's not really important. It's whatever. It's, and he kind of shrugs it off. But it is a good point. It's like, you know, at least defend yourself in the moment. But so, yeah, they, they are walking through Harbor School talking about all the different things that Ryan's old school didn't have, didn't have tennis courts, didn't have a swimming pool. Uh, they did have a basketball hoop. And then, yes, they have to obviously at some point go take an ID photo. Uh, he calls it a mugshot, at which point we get the lovely parallelism that always happens in the show where Sandy's getting a mugshot, obviously for his job. But now that you've said this, Maya, I really want to read the Sandy Rachel fan fiction about like what their lives were like when they were younger and when they like f- like worked cases against each other because that's what they did. That'd be fucking awesome. Then the two of them, they, they kind of banter about all of the things that this uh, workplace has that his old one didn't. To which he replies, we had a basketball hoop, which, again, is just very good. It's show is very good. I like that. Ryan waits nervously outside of Dr. Kim's. That's the next scene that we have. Seth says that Dr. Kim is sweet uh, because Kirsten's trying to convince Ryan that it's like it's going to be fine. Dr. Kim is sweet. He says, oh, Dr. Kim is sweet. <laughs> to which Dr. Kim then replies, Seth, always interesting to see you, <laughs> yeah. which is just a great way to address someone. Yeah. She loves to see uh, Kirsten. Seth, it's interesting to see you. Ryan, come to my office. It's just a very good opener. And uh, I think Seth not only understands this, but has leaned into it so hard. Yeah. He decided at some point, probably in middle school, that he's going to be the weird kid. And boy, has he succeeded <laughs> in that. Yeah, so, because he's obviously like smarter than everyone, too. We then go to um, Sandy's new job where he's just kind of getting accustomed to the layout, the layout of his office. The We get the rich people need lawyers to statement out of him. We definitely get him kind of being adjusting, right? He's adjusting to the new space. Then we go right into the meeting with Dr. Kim, at which point Kirsten is going to bat for Ryan. Ryan's kind of sitting there and Dr. Kim is, I mean, has some questions to which my question for all of you is, her resistance, justified or no? I think her resistance is justified, but I think what isn't is the way that she was addressing Kirsten and not Ryan the entire conversation until Ryan spoke up and was like, come on. She was having a back and forth with Kirsten. About, in front of the boy. In front of him about <laughs> yeah. stuff that like, I think it's like a rude conversation to have with the kid around, but like. You can be real with the parent and be like, this kid's probably not going to fit in here. Kirsten brings up, she's like, you are worried about what parents are going to say. And Dr. Kim is basically like, well, yeah. And Ryan's <laughs> just sitting there. Like, and that's a very good point. She does. She doesn't get like, like the thing I do like about all of Dr. Kim's scenes is like, she doesn't sugarcoat shit. One of the things she says, right, is like a student of Ryan's background, which Red flags were like all up in my head, right? When she said, I was like, uh oh, uh, that's not a good phrase to use usually because, like, yeah. <laughs> how do you fucking know anything about anyone's background? And then Ryan gives <clears throat> just a fucking great quote, which is the, I can't change where I'm from, but I can change where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God damn, like, very good. Yeah. I mean, and I get, I guess, why Dr. Kim is impressed because, number one, he hasn't said a word so far. And then the first shit out of his mouth is that. Like, yeah. that is very good. And his, his delivery is like, you can see the like dramatic like hair flip when he's when he's saying like in his words you in can his, see yeah, it's it. Like, it's, it's a vocal hair flip. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's like he knows that he's like running an act on her. Yeah, and, but also knows like this is totally gonna work. Yeah, yeah, because it does. Yeah, I like that he literally addresses her by name and says, "Dr. Kim, give me a shot." It's nice to see him finally 
stand up for himself because I feel like for the first seven episodes, he was very cautious and very like deferential because he was so afraid of losing this. People have his back for once so he can finally like stretch out and go, okay, I'm ready to gain some agency here. Mm -hmm. And then he does. They have their, their lovely conversation, right? She gives him a shot. The catch though, you're like, you're in his <laughs> essay and his grades are fine, whatever, but he has to take a placement exam to know, like, so they can figure out what he knows. And again, she she talks about how fair it is, and he's like, deal, let's go, let's do this. Yeah, right? so then they cut this. And then we cut to Lonely Seth. And Lonely Seth is sitting at uh, a picnic table by himself outside. Out of nowhere, Summer comes and sits down next to Seth uh, with no hesitation, and they kind of uh, commiserate a little bit. It's really weird, because, like, when they're talking, it's just very natural. Like, they've had this, like, traumatic experience together. And so, like, they do have now, all of a sudden, this kind of unity, right? And before, whenever... They would address each other. She'd just kind of look at him like off-putting right away. She's just like, you're a friend of mine. And this is, it's really cool. Until. <laughs> well, and until, like literally until he says like, you know, and then when she comes out, like we'll take her to like Six Flags or something. And then, you know, he says that. And then as soon as she has to think about a future with him, her eyes kind of change. And at that point, Seth decides to shoot a shot, which is great. And he does. And she does the... Mm-hmm. An imperfect timing, the cheerleaders come. Yeah. And when the cheerleaders come, they do the doublest of takes you can possibly do. It's like there's like three of them or something, and they all double take, but slightly out of time with each other. So it's just the longest group of double takes. <laughs> One like doesn't actually double take. She just stays there and then like, keeps walking. Like it's it's like they couldn't have been more shocked if like Summer had been talking to a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so fucking high school. It 100% is. And then we get the Seth quote, the, when we're back in school now, old rules apply. And Summer lets out the tiniest sorry in the history of sorries. It is weak as fuck. Then we get uh, Jimmy v. Julie, which is actually a fight for once. Because it's not just him getting railroaded. Notice I said not just him getting railroaded. No, he definitely gets <laughs> squished like he, a little bug. He definitely does. But he puts up a fight. He does. I said he actually puts up a fight. There uh, is some friction underneath those wheels. He has. <laughs> and this is where I found it weird. Julie, without hesitation here, calls the boy Brian. <laughs> Julie has just addressed the boy. In the fucking hospital, like, probably, I don't know, like, hours earlier as Ryan, immediately. Now she's like, Brian, what the fuck, Julie Cooper? Also, she's saying this to Jimmy. Like, what does Jimmy care if he knows, if she knows? Julie Cooper always wants to have a little edge up on you. And by him having to correct that, she then gets another opening to attack him. Right? That's entirely what's going on. Yeah. I love it. Oh, she is a cat. He's a very shitty mouse. <laughs> he's somehow like, he's like a... He's a mouse with two legs. Oh. And he's just trying. Oh. He's a mouse in a sticky trap. And as we find out, Julie considers it 100% Jimmy's fault for every single thing. It's Jimmy's fault that she went to Tijuana in the first place. It's Jimmy's fault that she overdosed on the pills. It's depressed. It's Jimmy's fault that the family is falling apart. And I mean, some of these points are legit, but Jimmy just is like, you you can't actually believe any of this. And honestly, Jimmy, at this point in your relationship with her, you need to know who cares if she does. (laughs) She's going to ruin your life. And that's exactly what she then says when she says, I'll be asking the judge for sole custody. It's just a hell of a sentence. Yeah. And 
I forget what the if is, but like she was like, maybe, just maybe supervised business. Yeah, and it turns out Marissa is awake and has heard and everything. And crying. Single tear, yeah. Yeah, she just, she's just like building up and then falls, yeah. and you're like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one to watch. When they leave, we see Marissa grab the phone out of the desk. Like, she's going to make a call. And who does she call? We'll find out in a moment. Because first, Seth needs Ryan to study for this test. Because if you don't pass this test, you aren't going to the harbor school. And I can't be alone with these people anymore. <laughs> Which is, I mean, pretty pretty good. Um, and then, instead of letting Ryan study, he proceeds to just like berate him over the summer thing. Which is excellent. It's him just saying over and over again, We kissed! <laughs> He's mad at her in the way that you could only be mad at someone you're in love with. This is like one of those classic scenes where Ryan is saying absolutely nothing and Seth just keeps talking. And he the, said, "He said, unless you want to go with me to Newport Union, you got to shut up." <laughs> <laughs> and there is like a great air of just like of Ryan just being like, "Normally, I would totally listen to the to your horseshit about <laughs> about summer. Right now, just this is the one time I can't." But yeah, so the phone rings, and Seth is like, don't worry, I'll get it. As if, like, we didn't all just know who the phone was. He answers the phone, and it's Marissa. She needs Ryan, and Ryan immediately throws his books to the wind and runs to help Marissa. Fuck my future. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's Marissa. She's in trouble. Something about her parents. I need to go. My presence is super needed right now. 100%. Let me grab my wallet so I can go buy her poor people flowers. is this when Seth is like, well, what if you don't pass the test? And then he goes, then maybe like, Dr. Kim was right. And then he leaves. Yeah, and so uh, he knocks on the door of Marissa's hospital room with, quote, poor people flowers. He, some, um, some Charlie Brown Christmas tree ass flowers. It's like yeah, one flower are, and a bunch of babies. Listen, breath. they were bad, but I was more offended by how shitty he was at like, giving them to her. He, like, walks up. She's, like, in the hospital, and he's, like, kind of, like, throwing these flowers around. He's like, oh, the... They were the only ones they had at the gift shop. I'm like, bitch, pretend that you care a little more. So here's yeah. my thing. I, like, I don't think they were the only ones left they were the, the ones shop. who could afford They were the, the only ones who could afford at the gift shop. That, that is 100% that the case. That hospital had nicer flowers. That hospital had nicer flowers. But yeah, this is, the new, this is an Orange County hospital. Look, he's getting paid minimum wage greenhouse. at Crabshirt Ryan's. He, he, can, he can only afford You the, know what? He makes his own salary, though. Hey, so. it's true. He paid for those flowers himself. Marissa starts to apologize. Oh, it was, I was just so stupid. It was... And he cuts her off, right? He's just like, look, don't apologize for that. But then we get the line, I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted to escape. Which was the title of the previous episode. (laughs) Was this the escape they were talking about? No one will never know. Josh Schwartz, (laughs) let us know. Josh Schwartz. (laughs) Julie Cooper is coming. We can hear her because everywhere she goes, she's yelling for a nurse. (laughs) that's, That's how we know Julie Cooper is there. And Ryan runs and hides to the bathroom. I said if this show was a comedy, Julie Cooper would need to pee when she walked in. That'd be a Whoa. That'd be how it was. You could probably oh, re- in the bathroom. You could probably recut this into a pretty good farce. Oh yeah. And my favorite thing is the your sister sends her love. She's she's somewhere right now. And she's she, off diverging somewhere. She's with the sitter. She's good. with She's with our Rosa. And Julie Cooper enters the room. Again, she has complete control. And what does she do? Just what we talked about before. Julie Cooper finds that speck of dirt in the ointment. And she looks at this this, this shitty thing of flowers. (laughs) And she goes, where did that thing come from? The look on her face, you can see the moment that she's like, those came from that boy. The boy Brian. After everything he's done to you. 
God, she's just so very good. And yeah, and Marissa doesn't really put up much of a fight, but also in her defense, she's still in the fucking hospital. Yeah. yeah at which point, Julie Cooper leaves once again to yell at a nurse somewhere. <laughs> I need to talk to the nurse about security. And then Ryan kind of pops out and he's basically like, hey, you know, uh, maybe if your mom doesn't want me around this much, I can. And she says, no. But then he has to leave. Because he has to take a test. We're back to the test. But he does the, I'm not afraid of your mom. Yeah. Oh, that's a very good line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not afraid of your mom. She's kind of, She kind of chuckles and she's like, I am. I am. I mean, pretty much everyone else. Yeah. No, and I like that. I like that she admits, like, look, I'm afraid of my mom. Meanwhile, uh, Seth is in the, the little kitchenette and he's covering for Ryan being gone. And it's great. It's a very good moment where Kirsten is trying to check on Ryan to see if he needs anything, and Seth is just like, no, you're going to ruin his groove. It's it's bad. You can't go in there. And uh, that's when we, he tells her that he's studying naked, and it's, quote, a Chino thing, uh, which is very good. And then he does the whole, like, you know, and if you go in there, then, like, you know, what if dad and then people are going to get suspicious? And <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. That's, that's the problem. That's and the then thing. and then the phone rings, which is sort of like a Saved by the Bell thing, or is it doorbell? It's the doorbell. 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 Then she's like, "By the way, we still need to talk about your surprise trip to Tijuana." Which, if I was nineteen years old and not living at home, and my mom smelled even the tiniest bit of cigarette on me, she would murder me. <laughs> Whereas this. 15-year-old kid can take a surprise trip to Tijuana where his, like, friend tries to kill herself and it never came up until, like, like, like a weekend later when, when Kirsten's like, oh, by the way, we need to, we need to, look, you and I need to sit down. Kirsten Cohen is trying to give it space, you know? (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, I could see them being like, we're not going to have a serious conversation until we know if Marissa's okay. But then, because, as soon as you find out, it's like, okay. Like, you guys You're did, grounded for two years. Yeah, you guys did the right thing. You got her help. You get a three-day grace period. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I get it. I just, it felt so implausible to me that it was infuriating. Yeah. Hey, ding dong. Who's, uh, who's that at the door? Who's always at the door? <laughs> who's always at the door? It's Jim fucking Cooper. That's who's at the door. Who is it, the mailman? Is nope. <laughs> Jimmy Cooper. Yeah, the the mailman don't have a package for you today, Kirsten. It's Jimmy. He's got a package for you. Um, Except for kind of not. Um, So the doorbell rings, um, and Jimmy Cooper is just standing there, and he needs a lawyer. And he needs a lawyer because she's going to sue for joint custody. And Kirsten seems shocked. Here's the thing. You should not be shocked. If you live next door to Julie Cooper for any amount of time, if you're part of a group with her called the Noopsies, you know what her wrath looks like because she's taken out on many a busboy. She's going to do whatever the fuck she I wants. I do like that Kirsten's response that was like, why is Julie doing that? Yeah, she, yeah. She's like, oh, she, she why did she what? do that? Julie, why, why is, is that? Why is this? <laughs> Rabid dog biting. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's exactly it. To to which it's just like the, you know, Jimmy's like, look, I you say I need Sandy's number. Like, let's just, I have your home phone memorized. I don't have Sandy's number memorized. So, like, help me out here. And then she's like, sure, sure, come on in. And <laughs> Jimmy Cooper, like the vampire that he is, is just waiting <laughs> yeah. at the door frame. He's standing there, and it's, it is weird, and it's awkward, and it's strange, and Kirsten does the 
it's no big deal. She's far too cool. Yeah, she does. Yeah. It's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but it's okay. <laughs> I feel like she sees him so much as such a littler person than she used to. So I think it actually is like, I think she's like, it's fine. Just come in. Like, I think she's like, you're a child. Yeah. Is the, is the impression I got from that interaction? He's like, Oh, it was so monumentally stupid. And she's like, yeah, come in. Stop talking yeah, about it. Because like, for him, that kiss is something he thinks about every day. Yeah. For her, that kiss is something she regrets every day. Anyway, then we hit another Cooper. Marissa hiding her mo- phone from her mom is such a good call. She didn't remember to hide the shitty flowers, but she hid that phone very well. Because Julie Cooper seeing the boy was there is one thing. But as soon as she realized that boy was because phone was there, that phone's gone. And that's when Julie Cooper broaches the San Diego topic. Marissa's not happy. Uh, Question for the room. Julie's reasoning. Sound? She wants to get to send Marissa to a psych ward in San Diego. It's a recovery center. In San Diego because Newport is too chaotic. But, okay, think for a moment. Is her reasoning sound? It might be if it wasn't made in such obvious bad faith. If it wasn't Julie Cooper. Yeah. The other thing is I think that that's one of her reasons, but I think she also is like, I'm going to keep her away from this boy however I can. Why do all the celebrities in LA and New York go to Hazelden in Minnesota when they need to go to rehab? Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're committed to getting better or someone forces you to commit to get better, you need to like be away from distractions. That doesn't necessarily seem to be the case here. Yeah. I think it's masquerading as that, but it's definitely like a Julie Cooper wants to not deal with the problem. Yeah, but what if I don't want to go? That's for Dr. Burke to decide. (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Burke ain't getting the shit decided. What you talking about? And then Marissa hides the phone and goes to the bathroom and Julie... Uh, to very ceremoniously throws the flowers away. Yep. Knock on the door. Knock, knock. Who is it? It's actually Summer, but we don't know that. Seth is naked, or so he claims. And He's uh, just hanging out in his room reading comics, and he thinks it's his mom and says, Not now, Mom. I'm studying naked. You know, like you say to your mom. <laughs> you know what? I actually probably would say that to my mom, but yeah, I feel that. And then we get how Summer should enter every room and, and uh, like... Just by saying, you know, because in that moment, you know, it's exactly summer and he flips. He's just like, Whoa, like, if that were me, I'm a teen boy. I'm looking around the place. I'm making sure like no underwear on the floor. I'm making sure like, oh, there's not a dirty rag on the ground. And by that, I mean like a, a porno magazine. You know what I mean? Well, because again, the internet wasn't good then. So like, yeah, there's no. call it a rag. rag. I thought you meant a dirty, like a. No, like a, like I didn't. But I'm sure Ryan's shoulder. His, no, his do-rag. <laughs> <laughs> from from his time at the party in Long Beach. No, I'm saying like I would be like freaked out. I would yeah. be like like running around getting everything in order. He just goes straight to the door. Counterpoint. Prob- yeah. Do you think Rosa cleans his room? <laughs> oh, good question. How, so there many, is- <laughs> how many dirty do rags has Rosa cleaned for him? He pretty obviously is trying to keep. He answers her at the door. And she just walks yeah, into it. She, you're right. Like he he is doing the uh, the guardsman, and she just literally zooms in and is like, "No, we need to have this conversation in here." To which she then immediately criticizes everything with her eyes. She's looking around, like, "What can I hone in on?" And she beep 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 finds it. Captain Oates sighting motherfuckers. 
First introduction of the of the beautiful horse. God, Captain Oates is good. Yeah. I, I'm so ready for Captain Oates to become like a motif. I'm just very ready. <laughs> and, and why is Summer there? Because she's there to ask for radical help. Because Julie Cooper is there. And and and, and she's like, so so where's Ryan? And then he's like, like well, what are, he's going. He's started to take, taking this test. But what about me? You know, what, what, what about little Seth? And then she's like... Are you ready to take on Julie Cooper? <laughs> to which his response is, uh, "We need Ryan." Yeah, yeah it's, they're talking about it like they're gonna like plant a pipe bomb in a car. <laughs> like <laughs> they're the IRA. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like like we need a fixer. <laughs> like no, he j- Ryan just had shitty parents. Like that doesn't mean he did know how to steal cars. He does. Eh, look, sorry. He you wouldn't steal the car. <laughs> we also think that Summer's idea of Chino is the Fast and the Furious. And to be fair, they know how to do a lot of stuff in those movies. Yeah, they could get shit done. So they go to get Ryan. Meanwhile, um, Sandy's in trouble, too, because Rachel storms into his office when he's on a call and is very upset at him. Stop suing people. <laughs> stop, stop, stop taking things to court. Stop taking things to court. We don't take things to court. We're a high-volume business. You have to stop this madness. And... Uh, he, he does the, that's the same look my wife gives me, and I guess we have a lot in common. Throwing it out there, Rachel and Kirsten do have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Hot take. Could be the same actress, wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went to the same college, and they both give him a look, and um, he is very attracted to both. They do have a lot in common, and Sandy really tries to be passionate for a moment about these cases in a way that's like, you know, he's trying to bring Sandy to this company, and what this company wants is just a warm body that has experience. (laughs) He's a public defender. If there's one thing he should know how to do, it's settle a case. Yeah. (laughs) Look, he compares the place to Costco, which I appreciated. um, Because fuck Sam's Club. Because they're a volume business. Yeah, because they're a volume business. And then Rachel says, do it for me. That is interesting because what that means is like when you say that to somebody, you're trusting that they love you, that they care for you enough to do it for you. Yeah. He probably is just trying to take them all to trial because he's like, cool, now I've got the resources to take all this to trial. Yeah. Look, he's getting, he's adjusting. He's trying to figure this out. Meanwhile, speaking of trying to figure this out, Seth and Summer burst into the placement exam room. Where Ryan doesn't have somebody monitoring him, which is interesting. Which also, placement exam room kind of looks like a medieval castle. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> they interrupt and they're like, Marissa's in trouble. And Ryan's ears perk. And he's just like a little puppy. Like, let's go. Timmy's in the well. Um, and Dr. Kim <laughs> Dr. Kim comes in and is like, hey, what's going on here? And then said, the, it's not what it looks like. We're here. It's an emergency. She's like, out, out, out. Here's my question. Dr. Kim does the whole, like, if you leave this room, this is the end of you. Once she finds out that he's not indeed done and he's just going to rescue him. Dr. Kim, justified. I think she's got 700,000 things to think about right now. And this is the littlest of them and is somehow becoming the biggest And he's of them. like, fuck, and Ryan's fucking it up. He's like, not even a student here yet. No. She's got incoming students coming. And when he's like, give me a chance. And she's like, okay, take this test. And he's like, mm, I'm going to ditch partway through. And she's like, if maybe, that's what you're going to bring to this. Maybe, maybe then you're like, not ready for this school. And he's like, yeah. maybe I'm not. Throws it, flips his hair and walks out of the he room. Says, he says, you're right, Dr. Kim. It wouldn't have worked out anyways, which is what Ryan and Marissa sort of said about each other last mm-hmm. episode. It wouldn't have worked out anyways, which I, I don't know. Which is starting to make me think that maybe it would have worked out. What? What? <laughs> what? 
Teens are teens. Cut to Marissa's therapy session. Do you drink? A lot? <laughs> What's a lot? What's a lot? Have you ever blacked out? Today. <laughs> <laughs> so Marissa is being very defensive in this whole thing, right? Because, yeah. and as we find out, like, she believes 100% that the psychiatrist is working for Julie. Psychiatrist is asking a lot of really alpha-ass questions. Well, and I feel like, you know, I feel like the psychiatrist has already talked with Julie about this. And Julie has already planted, like, these are all the things that are wrong. Talk to her about these things that are wrong, right? Yeah. She has. Your mom she, tells me you have a boyfriend. Yeah. Named Luke. <laughs> and then she's like, was my boyfriend. What happened? You're just going to turn, take whatever I say, turn around against me. Try to ship me off to some loony bin. Accusing someone who is a doctor or there to treat you of plotting against you <laughs> usually doesn't go well. <laughs> well, and the psychiatrist, you know, she lists a lot of things that, like, to a doctor would seem concerning. Like, you had maybe an eating disorder and you drink a lot and you stole stuff. But, like, honestly, that's probably pretty normal behavior for all of her friends. <laughs> for Yeah, for everyone. You should just do this psych test on Holly. See what the fuck turns <laughs> out. I'm ready for that one. You um, stole your friend's boyfriend in Tijuana and then blamed her for it? Everyone knows! Everyone! Everyone! The, the whole therapy thing is profoundly sad. Yeah, it is. And she does the, like, so tell me, like, so then, well, then tell me about you and your mother. And then she does the, how much time do you have? So here's my question. We later find out that the therapist gives the option to Julie and Jimmy. Do you, how much do you think they talked about her mom? Because I feel like if they had talked about Julie Cooper for one second, this therapist is not consulting her anymore on anything. I don't think they talked much about her because yeah. I don't think I don't think Marissa would trust her. Enough. I still feel like I did. I don't think that it's a good therapist. Yeah, yeah. I just honestly like every like it could just be bad writing on the TV show, but I just interpreted it all as this therapist is bad at her job and that's another unfortunate circumstance that is going to land Marissa in San Diego. Well, and to me, part of it is like this therapist is also running the place down in San Diego is what it sounds like. Yeah. And so like she's spread pretty thin. Maybe she shouldn't be the one doing all the evals. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Here's my Uh, question. How do you shoplift cigarettes? This is a good question. I'm very curious. This is a good question. How do you shoplift cigarettes? One of those, um, I mean, I one guess of those hooks, like the grabber, <laughs> like a grabber hook where you where you clench your hand and, uh, and pull a handle and then. Well, well, I, I maybe that, is that why she got caught? Because she tried to reach behind the counter. <laughs> Unless they consider it, where she's like, "Hey, I like these." They put them down on the counter, and then she's like, "Oh, and also like one of those things behind you." And then when they turn around, she takes them. I mean, that's away. a very good option. Is yeah. the like pretending, and then they ask. So her, to me, it was more like they ask her for ID. You thought about this? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. To me, it was like they ask her for her ID because you need to be eighteen. She's not eighteen. They like, I see my ID. She's like, sure, snagglepuss, run. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't and, think she's, and then immediately caught. I don't because, think she's got the balls for that. Yeah. Well, old, again, I don't think old Marissa. Did when anyway. she's drunk. Who knows? So we get a lovely, just very quick cut uh, to them waiting for summer. Ryan gets impatient, and then summer comes around the corner in her candy striper uniform. Has changed her hair since the last time we've seen her a little bit. And apparently is a volunteer there all the time. Um, she gets more interesting all the time. Summer's character. Because she just loves sick people. <laughs> she just loves sick people. Um, so that's why she's there. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, you know, he brought him to help do the sponge baths. Dibs on that guy. <laughs> <laughs> when Seth says that, the woman behind the front desk gives a look that looks like they were shooting this at a real hospital. And this woman <laughs> overheard that line and went like, the fuck? <laughs> we got to stop letting teens in here. I got a question. Now that we've reached the summer in her candy striper outfit. Yeah. Do they react this way because it's funny she's wearing it? Or do they think it's sexy? I think they think it's sexy, but I w- I've also always been very confused. Here's the thing, though. It's because she was wearing, like, an actual candy striper outfit. There are much more sexy, I put that in quotes, candy striper outfits that are just meant for, like, literally, they're, they're, that's, like, a, a thing you can dress up as. You know what I mean? Like, But for her, it was just kind of like, oh, it's, like, kind of a normal outfit, but... Somehow it's hot. Yeah, it's weird. It confuses me. Yeah. yeah. Cut to uh, Julie and Jimmy arguing about where where to put her, basically. You know, Jimmy, like, hearing up, upon hearing that, like, this San Diego thing is a thing, it's just like, what? No, this is not an option. She needs to, like, be with her friends and whatever. And the, the psychiatrist lady's like, look, you two do what you think is right. You know, that that's... That's totally fine. I'm going to get away from this. I'm going to get away from this toxic situation. To which then Julie does the don't make me call my lawyer. And then uh, Jimmy Cooper acting all tough. Don't make me call mine. It's just fucking Sandy Cohen. Like like a, like a chihuahua up on its hind legs baring its teeth. Yeah. J- Jimmy stands up for himself. So then Julie goes out in the hall. My husband and I have talked about this. First of all, she says she's going to go talk to Marissa. Again, this woman, fucking chess. Everyone else is playing checkers. Julie Cooper's playing three-dimensional chess. And she walks over... Four-dimensional chess. Walks over to the psychiatrist and says, no, we've decided she's going to San Diego. I have a bag packed in the car. I'm sorry, psychiatrist lady. Do you not have red flags? Like, are there none? Do you not know about these types of things? Like, it was clearly new news to the father in the fucking waiting room that San Diego was an option. And now there's a bag packed in the car and the mom is the only one talking to you. Uh, Do you not have anything in your body that tells you that this might be a little bit weird? No? (laughs) Well, then you shouldn't be running your own fucking institution. She just left the room. Like, apparently you hashed this out in four seconds. Also, I'm pretty sure what Julie is doing is a crime. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a crime. It's the crimiest of crimes. Is it the crime? Where are we? Crimea? You can't just just do that shit. Um, Then she goes back to Marissa and basically says, look... The doctor and, you know, I think that this is the best option for you. What about daddy? Well, your daddy doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, daddy's... He just wants what's best for you. He's not great. He's not. You should should stop thinking about him as a great man. Stop idolizing him. He blows. I'm evil, but your dad sucks. Yeah. Um, An evil woman is still so much better than just a shitty man. A shrimp man. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm so glad you're taking this so well, Marissa. You know why she's taking a well? Because Ryan's in the bathroom again. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan emerges from the pillowcase. 
Julie's so good at manipulating people. And how is she so fooled by Marissa? It's because she's confident. Okay. It's it's the same. It's again, it's a very seriously thing where she believes that she has full control of this situation. Little does she know, if it wasn't for Scooby and those meddling kids, uh, <laughs> if it wasn't she- for Brian in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, you don't get. Yeah, you don't get suspicious when everything's going according to plan. No, a hundred percent. Ryan uh, then, of course, has her candy striper outfit in a bag. Why does she need a disguise? Because she can't look, she can't look like a patient coming out of the room. Okay. We're, we're coming up on my favorite part of this episode. Is it when yeah. Ryan peeks? <laughs> Ryan does peek. Ryan looks away and then looks back for a second. She's like, hey, no peeking. And then he's like, okay. And then he looks forward. <laughs> and then she changes. Very, 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 um, very amazing. And then we get to the two uh, other members of this uh, this this Scooby Scooby Squad. Um, and they're, they're sitting outside uh, and... He's looking through all of the books in her book selection, and he picks one, and he comments on it, and she has a deep working knowledge of this book because she has read it many times. What book is it? Does anyone remember? Uh, Madame Bovary. Bovary. Okay. Which is a hell of a book. Yeah. And she's read it three five, times. I think you read it five, five times. times. Five times? That's Whoa, crazy. Man. And not only that, she has, like, very real opinions on this book and, like, all the things. To which Seth does the line... You are a strange and mysterious woman. You're a strange and mysterious, but not enough to get a title card. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, they can, hear, they can hear Julie Cooper shouting for a nurse in the distance, <laughs> and they start freaking out because, like, that's the lookout. This is the plan. Ah, and he starts giving her, like, <laughs> giving her, like, eye, like, fingers to the eyes, like, different places. Like, to which, trying to do, like, SWAT team signals. 100%. SEAL Team 6, to which she says, I wasn't in Panama. <laughs> <laughs> And I was thinking, when? When When in Panama? Are we referring to when we put the canal in? <laughs> Probably. No, uh, they did that whole thing silently. Is only that part of Panama? So Summer goes and runs the uh, distraction. What do they call that when you run? Run interference. Interference, yeah. So Summer goes and runs interference in the hallway. And she's so good at she's it. She's so fucking good at it. It's um, really good to watch, too. Yeah. It's, like, super entertaining. Yeah, because also she, like, plays into her strengths and her personality. <laughs> in order to distract them. It, so it's just like... It doesn't seem out of character at all. Yeah. It's her being like, oh my gosh, you so... T- tell me, Shrink. Uh, I've had this dream. And in my dream, I you know, and I'm waiting on the table and I have reservations. Are you getting this? Like, it's very good. It's very summer and it's very good. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Ryan and Marissa are done and they're finally ready and they open up the door and they give you this shot of them for a pretty... Like, it's like... 10 seconds of them just like staring at who's behind the door and in your brain it could be literally anyone it could be Julie it could be Jimmy it could be anyone and who is it it's motherfucking Luke it's Luke <laughs> and, and Luke has the flowers and he looks very sad and then also immediately very confused and Luke is just so sorry and, and I didn't mean for any of that to, you know and she, like Marissa's just like look you said that back then and like it's not a good point you're not gonna win anything and then Seth comes to warn them that the dragon is coming. Oh, um, Luke's here. Oh, Luke's here. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> line. Oh, Luke's here. Hey, I'm <laughs> I need to warn you. Things are happening, and they're about to escape. This is the part I really like. Luke yeah. says the, you're running away? And then... And then he, take the stairs. But before he says that... The just terror. There, There's there, a moment. Just this pan shot of all three of them staring at Luke. <laughs> like, to try what to, you gonna do, boy? Like, like this... Pregnant, the most pregnant of pauses while they figure which Luke showed up. Because it's a very real option that Luke does the like, 
they're in here, you know, because he's been like a cock, but that's not what we get. He does a he does a quick he does a quick Panama esque look around and says, <laughs> read of the situation. Take the stairs, like as if Luke. He has a really confident idea of what's the quickest and most secretive way to get out of this hospital at any given point in the day. It's such a good read. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's the um, opposite of the end of The Sound of Music. Hey, and you know what else is the opposite of? <laughs> <laughs> Sandy and Rachel also don't really have an escape plan here. Um, they're getting margaritas and just enjoying themselves at this, this place. Dan, you've had new jobs. I feel like after your first day of work, getting a drink with somebody can be normal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it can be. Usually you don't go for the the second or third round. Sure, yes. Um, that is 100% true. Especially when, like, I don't know, shit's going on at home. You might want to get back to your wife. Kirsten and um, Jimmy show up because they're looking for a lawyer. And Rachel and Kirsten have this mini showdown that's just amazing. It's Oh, this is Rachel. This is Rachel. I'm Rachel. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like it's like that SpongeBob thing where it's like SpongeBob. Like Rachel under kind of understands when Kirsten shows up. Like like oh, his wife's here. This is not good. I'm not gonna try and make it better. And, no. and, and Sandy still seems kind of like not taking the reins on the situation. Oh. Like he's just sort of like. Hey, we're having a drink. My wife happens to be here. Everything's great. What's up, Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy's here. What are you guys doing here? Uh, and so my favorite whole thing is Jimmy and Rachel have what I call the homewrecker handshake, where they they shake hands, <laughs> they introduce each other, and it's just like, whoo, I love that. There's a lot of energy why, going through Why can't hands? they date? And it's the awkwardest exit in the history of exits. Jimmy sees himself to the door. Sandy's totally willing to help him, and he's just like, no, I'm out of here. Especially <laughs> since, like, Jimmy's the reason they're here. I'm just going to bounce. I just figured it out. I got time. And Dan, what does he do in the time between when he is there and when he shows up back to his apartment? The actual next shot, he has left. He has abandoned his plan to get a lawyer. (laughs) What does he do, Dan? Because he needs to figure out a way to save his his daughter from being taken away from him. Tell us what he does. He shows up back at his at his sad bachelor pad with with California pizza kits. Yes, it is. Oh, it's a it's a personal pizza and a salad in a bag, and it is the greatest shot in the he, history of shots. He got a personal pizza. He didn't even buy one for leftovers. No, he it was it looked like it might have been a small, but it's great. He just shows up with a a huge bag and a box of pizza, and he just kind of waddles into. He's got a lot apartment. to learn about living by himself. Again, but this is what he had to do that was so important. That he couldn't be bothered. He wants to eat his feelings. To okay. be in an awkward situation for ten more seconds. So, look, what? <laughs> I just, in defense of Jimmy Cooper, when I'm when I'm in an awkward situation, I want to go find. I food. go right to CPK. In, in defense of Jimmy Cooper, California Pizza Kitchen's really fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and he turns on the lights, and fucking Scooby and the gang are in the fucking apartment. Hanging out with the lights off. Yeah, I never got that. I also, this He's is what, that's one of the first moments where I'm like, what the fuck is up with Jimmy Cooper's apartment? 
they turn on the lights. They're there. Then uh, the three of them, the 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 Seth and Summer and Ryan of the group, see themselves out, and Marissa and Jimmy have a conversation, and it's a good conversation because they're actually fucking t- talking to each other. And this is the first time where it kind of feels like she thinks she can strategize against her mom with him. Like we're like, hey, this is a person who could be an ally for me actually in this thing that I'm now fighting. And this is where Jimmy finds out that, uh, yes, indeed, San Diego is a real thing that is happening. The plan was in motion. That's why she ran away. And then a phone call happens. And as if this wasn't fucking gonna be Julie Cooper, he kind of plays it off like, oh, hi, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this outside. You know, and he takes it outside. And it's just like, of course. He, like, tells her that, like, even though he wants her to live with him and she wants to live with him, that there's like nothing he can do about it. And instead what he does is takes a call outside and says, yes, Julie, I will bring you back your daughter. Yeah. And then while he's doing that, she just fucking walks out the door. (laughs) She walks out before he even makes that promise. Jimmy, this is why it's so important that you not ditch ditch your quest for legal representation just because it was kind of awkward for a second. And you were hungry. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You were at a Mexican restaurant. Just get a taco. I know. That was my thought process. Does DPK not deliver? No, it was pizza night. How do I know this? Because the four of our Scooby gang are all enjoying a slice at the pier. (laughs) Uh, Seth and Summer kind of uh, go off for a moment. And then we get this this moment between Ryan and Marissa. You can just kind of tell like Damn, they're into each other, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, they're not, that's not even the topic. That's not even really the subject matter. The subject matter is like, look, I, like, what are we going to do? You can't go away. I'm out of options. But then she says the key phrase, which is the, like, I just wish I could get her to listen. And then Ryan goes, okay, let's make this happen. <laughs> yeah. That's all? Yeah. We go back into the Cohen's house. Kirsten is sitting there sipping coffee, which means she's ready for this shit. And Sandy comes in. Territorial Kirsten is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Like the very much like, you're my man Kirsten is just very different. And when he does the, she does the, you know, whatever, he goes, I don't even understand why you're mad. I mean, I get why you're mad, but it's nothing. And I didn't say a word when you and Jimmy were painting every day. And because, she I, like, because nothing happened and she looks down into the left, which is like, like uh, you don't need to be a fucking car dealer to know that's a tell. Like, are you kidding me? Look, at the end, they come away with a conversation like, you know, I trust you. You trust me. I trust you. Great. Do they actually trust each other? No. It's like Sandy's confused because she's mad and like mad that she's mad and she's mad because she has a guilty conscience. Yeah, 100%. And because Jimmy Cooper's a little weasel man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Ryan calls Sandy and they hatch the plan. Here's the genius of this plan. Putting Julie Cooper on your home turf is the only move. She runs every room she comes in except for the Cohen house. It's like fucking Hogwarts to Voldemort. Like, she has no power here. She's trying to gain power in the house. And for once, people aren't letting her have it. Like, Ryan does the off-putting thing, which is both very a bad thing to say, but also kind of legit, where he does the, you know, like, well, if you ever want to see her again. Which is a real kidnappy thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It kind of sounds like I'm Which is why his lawyer her. immediately goes, hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, Knock it off. like Ryan. Very murdery. Yeah, Ryan. That is not the kind of thing you say unless you know she's in the trunk of your car. Yeah, and then she does the whole like, well, this and that, and all this is going wrong. And then you know, and she runs away from the hospital. It's all your fault. 
she ran away from you and it's fucking dark. Mm-hmm. This is like every single time Ryan's been in a conversation with her, it seems like he's caught off guard. This time he had his rifle loaded and aimed at her <laughs> in the kitchen and she's trying, she's coming and he's just like, nah, this is it. Like, I'm, And he's firing shots at her and then he evokes Riverside, which is very good. Yeah. Oh my God. He's like, Listen, you're from Riverside, and the look on her face is just like, you motherfucker. But this is what she does. She says shit to people to take it, take their chance at a rebuttal away. It's fucking killer. Mm-hmm. He says, look, you're from Riverside, aren't you? Like, she, like, falls backwards for a moment, and then he's like, look, and I know you're afraid of losing this. And she has no retorts because he's fucking hitting her where it fucking counts. And then Marissa pokes her little head around the corner. Here's my question. Where's Marissa when Julie walks in? Out out back. Hiding in a closet. Taking a shit. (laughs) All different answers. I like this. Hiding in a coat closet with Kirsten. Because Kirsten's there too. Kirsten's obviously with with Marissa. With the Mr. Coffee machine in the the closet. No, like Kirsten Kirsten is there and they like show up behind Julie and it's like Kirsten like said to Marissa, all right, come on, we're going to flank her. (laughs) 100%. Because this is what you need to do. And and everything kind of is going well. And then... Okay, before Marissa pops out, there's the really good back and forth between Ryan and Julie where Ryan's like, what you want and what your daughter want are mm. two different things. And she is like, she yells at him. She's like, you don't know what she wants. And he's like, I know what she doesn't want. And she, she doesn't, doesn't want to live, live with you. Which, which, okay, that exchange is like, it's good, but it also... And you take a step back, or at least when I take a step back, I'm like... What does this fucking kid kid have any right to say this to? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it seems the reason is is because he is literally the only one who isn't afraid of her. Yeah. And yeah. and as Marissa said earlier, I am. So mm-hmm. Marissa's not going to have this conversation from the get-go because she can't. This is Ryan outmaneuvering like Julie for a moment. And then at the moment where it's like, "Oh, it's things are going to break." Marissa pops around the corner and she takes it from there. And she leaves her with the line, and you know, all of this, like, I don't want to go to San Diego, and I want to live with Dad. Julie kind of, like, again, crumples and shows herself to the door. Her walking into the Cohen household is like fucking Napoleon trying to go into Russia. Like, she can't <laughs> fucking do it. Because it, they, they've, they, they're banding together. They're, they're defeating this dragon. And she leaves. It's heavy, man. And the best part about it is you, when she leaves, it, she's not just defeated. She's, she does the thing where it's like she's pulling out her armies, but she's readying the next attack. This isn't over. But you've won this round. And immediately afterwards, Ryan and Marissa embrace. And there's a moment where you think they're going to have a kiss. And then it's a cheek kiss and a hug. And it's very cute. Who kisses whose cheek? She kisses his. And then we cut to a commercial. We cut back. And we're out back with Seth Seth and Summer. By the way, out back with Seth and Summer is their show. That's what, that's what their reality <laughs> show their, would be called. It's their, uh, their post-episode talk yeah. show. Yeah, their post-episode <laughs> talk show. I got to say, Summer, when they're, they're talking for a while, and then, oh, things are winding down. Uh, you can give Marissa a ride home to her dad's. <laughs> and as Summer leaves, Seth is there and does the, like, you know, bye, Summer. And Summer doesn't look at him with disgust. She looks at him like, hey. It's flirty as it, fuck. It, it is the look of two people who just busted someone out of a hospital. And she, <laughs> <laughs> and she leaves. And uh, it's just a little thing we do. <laughs> Kirsten goes, so let's talk about Tijuana. It's, it's Tijuana, Mom. So white. <laughs> 
He's not wrong. But even the way he says it is still a white version oh, of yes. somebody saying Absolutely. it the right way. It's pronounced Tijuana. And then uh, cue the guster. We we cut mm-hmm. to back to Harbor School. Uh, Sandy's just dadding all over oh, the place. So God, he's such a dad. <laughs> he's he's dadding all over the place. Oh, we actually don't cut to, to that first. We get to the kitchen is what we get. Like Sandy has this very real conversation with Ryan. And Sandy says, look, that was great and all, but like, I'm worried about you. And worried about you means you need to go to the school. And you gave that up. And I get why. But, you know, we got to fix this. Ryan's like, whatever, I can just go to the school. He's like, no, we're going to go face Dr. Kim. And he's like, I don't want to face Dr. Kim. And he's like, you're afraid of her. And he's no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. You just took down Julie Cooper, the dragon lady, which is what I'm going to call Julie Cooper for the rest of time. It's true. She's the dragon lady and she's good at it. And then, of course, that's when we cue the guster. And you and Summer last night were pretty chummy. God. This is great. And yeah, Seth says is basically just mortified, but like playfully mortified. List, list of things that Seth would rather talk about this to than Sandy. Yeah. Ryan, mom, that tree over, over there. there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when Dr. Kim finally comes out with Ryan, it has been revealed. Ryan has passed the test. They graded it on the spot. And says Dr. Kim, if he tries this again, we're going to need a better lawyer than you. Which is the most pointed ass thing to say. Dr. Kim's just fucking throwing fire every time she's on the screen. She is sweet. And we find out that they're the Harbor School Pirates. Thoughts on the nickname? Um, Mm -mm. It's pretty good. I think they would would be like the Trojans or something. The Harbor School Privateers. No, you know what they would be? They would still be the Indians. Yeah, they'd be some like... They would still be the Indians. Harbor School Black People. That's just what they're called. (laughs) We take a look at Sandy's mugshot. His eyebrows are genetic. It's coming for you. They're out of control. And, of course, Guster gets louder and louder until the family's in the distance. And all we know is... (laughs) Shananan. It is it is a really sweet moment between Seth and Seth and Sandy where they're just kind of ribbing on each other. Yeah. yeah it's, it's good. good. And it's, Ryan just gets to like enjoy it. All right, let's get right into it. For quote of the episode or no, for the championship belt? No, for the championship belt. All right. I have very strong opinions. I have one very strong opinion. I have, okay. Let's hear it. It's gotta be Julie. Yeah, it's gotta be Julie. This it's, is this no. is her week. It's totally her. Literally, Ryan takes her down. I know, but... This is the first time Ryan has ever taken action in the whole fucking series, and he fucking kills it. There's so many... Everything he does is obviously in response to Julie Cooper, sure. And obviously, they were the two top people. But literally, in this wrestling match, he pins her. Like, this wasn't like Sandy going, let's have a mediation. I mean, he kind of jokes about that. But really, it was Ryan going, this needs to happen. Like, at the beginning of the episode, she's trying to, like, dick him around, right? Like, she's being like, you have no agency, you have no power, you have no power here. And what is what does he fucking do? He fucking flexes his muscles. I knew you were going to do this. It's just like, <laughs> it's obviously him, though, because he does win. When she pride becomes her downfall is when Ryan is in the fucking bathroom the whole time. I will I will give you that like that is like the the conflict that defines the entire episode. I just think like this was this was her week, man. It would have been. She she was like she was Julie Coopering all over the fucking place and she was like the power she she was in every scene. Yeah, no, it I didn't think, fucking I, no, matter. I think that what you're saying about Ryan winning it totally is true. Makes sense. But I don't know that I mean that was one path that Julie took. 
she fucking made San Diego happen. She fucked with that therapist. She fucked with Jimmy Cooper. She fucked with Marissa. Yeah. She fucked with Ryan, obviously. And did it work out? No. But she took she she spread her wings like a fucking tree. Sure. Like a dragon. But literally everyone is afraid of her. Like this is you guys voting for Goliath. This is David. <laughs> Little Ryan is there, and he fucking takes a pebble, and he fucking nails her right in the head. She falls the fuck down. Ryan hasn't had a fucking belt from us yet, and this is his first week where he's actually owning it. He, he's still doing the Superman thing. He's still acting for people, right? He's not acting out of himself. He's acting for people. But every single time he sees the bat signal in the air, he fucking throws on apparently his Superman cape and fucking jumps out the door. Like, he's fucking ready all the time. And he he does it so many times in this episode, he puts other people before himself. Curves way in on this. Obviously, it was between Julie and Ryan. I feel like I never think about this as deep as anyone else, but my thought was Ryan. Okay. In that case, I'm willing to let Ty go to the one who is the loudest about it. I think not just me. I mean, like Ty go to the one who actually won. (laughs) Like it's because it wasn't a tie. I mean, I'm not talking about in our argument. I mean, in the episode. I know. I'm saying I'm saying Ty in the argument. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think I think obviously it's it's forty nine fifty one, whichever way it goes. But um, I'm willing to give it. I just think that you're weighing a lot on the actual outcome and I'm weighing more on the amount of presence given. I think Ryan was reactive. And even though he won at the end, I think Julie was just fucking claws out the whole time. But I And the reason I am still willing to give it to him is because a lot of what Julie was reacting to was Ryan. Yeah, at least in her head. Yeah. This was Julie Cooper and like she was like in top Julie Cooper form. But like Ryan was like, like you said, he was kind of like, Taking a step forward in his he did everything and, and he did everything that. except punch someone. Yeah, which, and he didn't punch anyone. Which he yeah. didn't. Which is probably good because it would have been Doctor Kim, <laughs> <laughs> who is so me. Congratulations, Ryan Atwood. He did it is, it. It, it. This is a show about you, and you are now finally the most important person for his, once. His title belt is the the leather bracelet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wears it proudly. Quote of the it. episode. I got one, but if you have ideas, throw them I mean, at me. like, I can't change where I came from. I like that one a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, it, I'll find the exact one. I if can't it, change where I'm from, but I can change where I'm going. That was mine. I mean, yeah, that's, I think that's got it. Yeah, honorable mentions to, it's pronounced Tijuana. They're so white. <laughs> uh, um, it, he studies in the nude, it's a Chino thing. It's a honorable, Chino thing. Honorable mention to, I'm Rachel. <laughs> oh, that's a very good quote. Ooh, can we just give that quote of the episode? <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm Rachel. I can't do it because that's that's delivery of the episode yeah. for where, sure. No, God, there were so many though because where did that thing come from? Is also very uh-huh. good delivery. I but, can't help where I'm from, but I yeah, can't help where I'm that's going. Gotta, that's got to be it. That is like the most OC thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I mean it's like, it's again it's another one of the opportunities. Ryan's like, hey, I know you're new here, Doctor Kim. Here's the thesis of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Let me catch you up, I'm doctor. <laughs> he forces her to watch the like 90 second post MLB like rundown of the he show. Carries it on a VHS. Yeah. <laughs> All right, curves. It's yeah, it's getting late. We need some facts. Okay. Curves. There are a lot because the entire month of October happened <laughs> since we last <laughs> talked about this. So one that we've talked about before was Arnold Schwarzenegger won the California recall election and 
he did so after apologizing for behaving badly on film sets after an L.A. Times report came out in which six women claimed that he had groped them on film sets. So. Well, damn. <laughs> That's never the stopped, more, stopped the anyone's more, career before. Yep. The more things change, guys. <laughs> exactly. Um, God. Roy of Siegfried and Roy was attacked <gasps> by a tiger. That's when this <laughs> happened. That was them. Yes. That is the most important thing um, we can know. <laughs> China launched its first manned space mission. I thought you were talking about the horse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. China horse left the OC. We, we sent that horse to space. <laughs> it's, it was a manned space mission in a way. God. So they're the third nation to put a person in space. Huh. Rush Limbaugh entered rehab for oxycodone oh. and hydrocodone. Oh, yeah. Was it in San Diego? I don't know. <laughs> Dr. <No>. Berg? <laughs> the, the D.C. area sniper trial began. Ooh. So that had the actual shootings that happened the year before in October. Mm-hmm. That uh, was crazy. That was. Pope jo- John Paul II celebrated his 25th anniversary as Pope. Mm. Mm. which was, at the time, the fourth longest reign, and he would eventually become the second longest reigning modern pope. Because <laughs> modern, modern pope. They don't know I'm how like, long St. Peter was actually pope. Yeah, and yeah. Francis, I would say, is the first postmodern pope. <laughs> <laughs> no, Francis is the first post-grunge pope. <laughs> As part of that celebration, um, it was the beatification of Mother Teresa. Oh, okay, so, cool. So, good times. Great times. <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> um, <laughs> hundreds of identical letters were sent to newspapers from U.S. soldiers in Iraq talking about the success of American forces, and the military said that they were part of a spontaneous grassroots campaign, but many soldiers said that they did not write those letters. Oh, God. <laughs> Even though they had their names on. Our government was trying so hard. Carl Rove is so good at his job. <laughs> God, and also, like, Imagine the Trump administration trying to pull it. Oh, yeah. Imagine they do that all the time. No, no, but like they'd fuck it up so much worse. Yeah, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, it's like when they're like, go to the fake news awards, and then it went to the RNC's website, and the website was down. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, a topical Lord. fact. The oh, state Lord. of Florida intervened in the case of Terry Schiavo, um, who oh, she yeah. had. She was in a vegetative state. Yeah. Did everything in pop culture happen this year? This is Literally, this is like the early odds. Like the six weeks that the OC was off, <laughs> everyone was like, all right, we got to. We got to get it all in. <laughs> we got to do it all. We can finally pick up this this state of vegetation case yeah. because yeah. we're not watching Mother Teresa, this. you're a saint now. <laughs> um, at the end of October was when the grand jury Jerry was sworn in for the um, investigation into the leak of Valerie Plame's identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To end on a lighter note, or a couple of lighter notes. So we we skipped over in September. The top song was "Shake Your Tail Feather." Oh, <laughs> by Nelly, Nelly P. Yeah. Diddy and Murphy Lee. But come October, Beyonce's back with "Baby Boy." Yeah, <laughs> and Sean Paul. Yeah. I and love that, Sean Paul. That was the top song for all of October and November. Wow. <laughs> like nine the, the hit maker. Yeah. It was crazy in love. For a moment, yeah. the yeah. top song became Shake Your Tail Feather. I mean, for a month. And then, and then right back to Baby Boy. And then some movies that came in came out in October of 2003. School of Rock, uh, Mystic River, uh, Kill Bill Volume 1. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Clearly no, no the most one, significant. No yeah. one, no one's in for Mystic River. <laughs> um, That's one of those movies that won a bunch of Oscars and no one has watched. And since. no one cares. <laughs> and the like premiere that. of The Matrix Revolutions, Ooh. Ooh. Uh, which would open in wide release in the next month. Ugh, um, I had I had my birthday in October. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you have an OC themed part. Well, because remember, you didn't watch the OC when it was live the first season, right? Not consistently, no. Okay. But I did catch it. I do know that. Okay. Did you care about ratings? Sorry. Oh, shit. <laughs> Tell me some ratings, Curbs. So, Post Pope. Episode 7, The Escape, had 8.8 million viewers. Okay. That's a lot for now. Back in the day, it was probably not as much as other things, but the that's r- huge. That was, I think, it wasn't the high. Ooh. No, it was not the highest. It was higher the previous two weeks. Cool. But 8.8 million Tijuana. Yeah. So then the rescue, 9.27 million. Damn. They probably had some reruns. Sure. Maybe, yeah, they had like some midnight reruns during. I'm sure they were hyping it up. Yeah. That's crazy, though. That's that's cool that they came back stronger. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Makes me feel good. My name is Mark. I love the OC. Uh, my name's Maya, and I love the OC. My name's Curbs, and I love the OC. My name is Dan, and I love the OC. And we hope you love the OC, too. God, by episode eight, you better fucking love the OC. So